Good morning and welcome to your Friday Five, a weekly newscast from the Boston University News Service. It's Friday, February 28th. I'm Hannah Harn, podcast and production editor. And I'm Alex Hemmer, in-depth and data editor. Today, we'll take a look at our top stories from this week, including a trip to a drag queen story hour, a look at accessible internet culture, and a PAX East primer of what we've seen and what's to come. Let's get started so you can start your day. Young families gathered at Trident Booksellers in Back Bay Saturday morning for a wholesome book reading event, but with a twist. The books were read by Kirby Fully Loaded, one of the drag queens involved in the global phenomenon that is Drag Queen Story Hour. Parents watched as a crowd of young children gathered around Kirby while she read picture books with themes of LGBT plus families and acceptance. Kirby is a social worker by day and performs at gay nightclubs across the city by night, she said. She had been performing until 3 a.m. the night before and woke up early to reapply her stage makeup and come to the reading. She said she's been doing drag performance for two years and is a regular at Story Hour. It combines my two loves, she said, children and drag. This story was reported by Kendall Tamer and Catherine Swindles. To see their full gallery, visit bunewservice.com. Former University of Texas at Austin tennis coach Michael Center was sentenced in the U.S. District Court Monday to six months in prison in order to forfeit $60,000 for his role in the Varsity Blues college admission scandal. Center, 55, pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit wire and honest services fraud in April 2019. I just want to say how sorry I am, Center said through tears in a statement before the court. So sorry to my family, my wife, my two boys, my friends, and all the former players I've coached over the last 30 years. Center agreed to accept a bribe of over $90,000 in exchange for designating a student as a recruit to the U-Texas tennis team in 2015, according to the affidavit filed by Special Agent Laura Smith. The student was not a competitive tennis player. Mr. Center did step forward right from the beginning, said John Kuna Jr., who represented Center. Kuna said that Center's acceptance and cooperation were consistent with the letters of support given to the court on Center's behalf. Judge Richard Stearns accepted the government's recommendation of a lower sentence with the exception of a suggested fine, citing society's interest in seeing a punishment that acts as a deterrence to prevent similar admission scandals in the future. I believe you're a good man, Stearns said to Center after reading the sentence. I'm sorry it's come to this. This story was reported by Stella Lawrence. Social media has revolutionized the way humanity connects on a global scale, but in the blind and visually impaired community, barriers to social media inclusion persist. Social media accessibility has gotten better, but continues to be a huge issue, said Sassy Outwater-Wright, director for the Massachusetts Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. A huge amount of information is communication through infographics, movies, GIFs, and they're all image-based. While there are assistive technologies to help navigate, such as screen readers or braille displays, Outwater Wright, who is visually impaired, feels they still fall short of fully communicating visual content. But one group at Carnegie Mellon University's Human Computer Interaction Institute is seeking to remedy this issue by creating a new technology that would make memes, images taken from popular culture and overlaid with text to express an idea, behavior, or style, more user-friendly for the visually impaired. Cole Gleason, a PhD student involved in the study, stated the method involves an optical character recognition software, which automatically extracts the alt, which is then viewed by a human who elaborates with more details, such as color, shape, size, or what the object actually is. The software then feeds the new information back in and is able to reproduce it whenever it comes across the same image again. Basically, the idea here is that we think a visual meme codes some theme that's common to all times you see that same meme, said Gleason, who is also visually impaired. 
When asked if the new technology could keep pace with the rapid generation of content on social media, Gleason expressed no concerns. Every time someone invents a new medium, you're going to have to explain what the template should be. The benefit is that it's a much smaller problem because it's very easy to make a new instance of a meme that already exists. New memes that come along are a little bit few and far between. This story was reported by Miriam Fauzia. Whether they use the Massachusetts Bay Transit System or prefer driving to work, professionals in the Boston area will say that they are in need of a transit crutch to make their next commute. Anna Hernandez, 50, has always relied on the MBTA to get around the city. However, on most days, she feels that her commute leaves her drained. Hernandez spends roughly four hours a day traveling to and from her workplace near Fenway Park. This includes the time she leaves her house in Dorchester to walk to the closest T station, wait for the train, ride it, walk to work, and then repeat the process in reverse after her shift. And that's on a good day, if the cold doesn't mess with the train, Hernandez said with a smile. Boston ranks highest in the country and eighth worldwide when it comes to a loss of productive time due to commuting, as per the 2018 INRICS report, a data analytics firm that collects traffic data. Beset with an ailing public transit service and the long hours spent idling in traffic, it costs every Bostonian driver, or the ones passing through its roads, $2,291 when they hit congestion. Then there's the issue of climate change. Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker started 2020 with a resolution to achieve net zero carbon emission by 2050 in his State of the State Address. In late January, the Senate passed a comprehensive climate policy package, a trio of bills for a greener transportation system. Massachusetts Department of Environmental Protection data showed greenhouse gas emissions through fuel consumed by transportation have declined by nearly 6% in 17 years since 2000, when it was at 32 MMT, compared to 2017's 30.4 MMT. With the burgeoning usage of Uber and Lyft rides and nearly 380,000 more employees in the city since 2010, the state would have to do more if it wants to eliminate greenhouse gas emissions by the deadline. This story was reported by Divyani Chetri. To see our data and to read the rest of Divyani's story, visit bunewservice.com. Last but not least, your own personal PAX East primer. This week, Paige Colley, Lillian Eden, Miriam Fauzia, and myself are covering PAX East, an annual four-day video game and tech convention in South Boston. After a somewhat rocky prelude with both Sony and Player Unknown Battlegrounds Corporation pulling out due to concerns regarding coronavirus, the convention kicked off successfully yesterday. Thousands of attendees flooded the floor of the Boston Exhibition and Convention Center to play game demos, scope out merch tables, and sit in on some of the seemingly endless panels and shows. Paige, our science and tech editor, checked out a panel on mental health in the game community. Lillian, our assistant managing editor, took some time to learn about incorporating games into parenting and how games play an important role in family life. And I had a chat with the developers and scientists behind Beyond Blue, an open-world oceanic exploration game from Eline Media, and made in partnership with the BBC. Our first day was pretty low-key, but we've got quite the lineup for you this weekend. Today we'll be visiting panels on games and learning, taking the meditative game Sound Self for a spin, and chatting with the GameHers, a new community that aims to increase and encourage inclusivity in the gaming world. And later this weekend, look out for our coverage of indie RPGs, video games and environmental stories, gamer presidential candidate Ace Watkins, and more. For the rest of our Paxi's coverage, follow us on Twitter, at BU News Service, or go to BUNewsService.com. And that's it for your Friday Five. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week. For the full versions of this week's stories, visit BUNewsService.com slash podcasts and click on today's episode. We'd like to thank today's contributing writers, Kendall Tamer and Catherine Swindles, Stella Lawrence, 
Miriam Fautzia, and Devyani Chetri, as well as our PAX team, Paige Colley, Lillian Eden, Miriam Fautzia, and Hannah Harn. We'd also like to thank our production team. This week's episode of Friday Five was produced by Hannah Harn. And be sure to check out our latest episode of Between the Bylines, where we sit down with our contributors to discuss our top stories through the lens of student journalism. Next week, our PAX team will sit down to debrief our weekend and discuss efficient convention coverage. Visit us online at bunewsservice.com slash podcast for more information.